0: Welcome to Startup Anthology, a podcast that shares stories from employees and middle managers, not just the founders, at early and mid-stage startups. These stories from employees showcase the unique experiences and the pivotal roles they have played in creating startup culture. I'm your host, Jeremy Willis. In this first episode, I will be speaking with Henry Wang. Henry is a mechanical engineer who was raised in Santa Clara, California in the heart of Silicon Valley, where he attended Santa Clara University. Henry has over 20 years of experience working at five different startups. Today, we will be discussing his background and the lessons he has learned during his career. Let's get started. Well, this is the first startup anthology recording ever with Henry Wang. Wow, I'm so honored. It's just an idea we have of talking about the relationships and the stories that people have that work in the startup life? So.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad to be here.
0: So who are you, Henry?
1: Yeah, my name's Henry. I'm 49 years old. Uh, so I graduated college uh, at Santa Clara University with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering in 1996. And so graduating in the middle of Silicon Valley in the late 90s was pretty cool. It was a fun time and a boom time. And so I knew I always wanted to be in some type of technology. So I definitely got really lucky growing up in that area and Graduating in that area, and so me and my all my college buddies, we stayed, of course, and you know many of my friends are actually from the Bay Area, anyways. But it was a fun time to be in Silicon Valley, working as an engineer during the top dot com boom, and seeing these strange companies with strange names like Google and Yahoo get started. And so that's where my professional career started. And you know I joined a company called Flextronics, which is a contract manufacturer, as um like a process engineer. I interned there. So that's how I ended up uh, landing there. And it was great. It, I learned a lot about manufacturing and design and a whole host of things. I was there for quite a while. Well, four years. Do you want to go into startups or is it just kind of like because you're in the that area it just kind of felt Yeah, like I mean, that was actually a big, huge, multinational company. And like, that's all I knew at that time is um, a huge company. But I actually had A great mentor there who was my manager. He became a good mentor. And I remember I was starting to hit on around four years. So I'm like what, twenty six? And I asked him like, Well, where do I go from here? Like, what's my next step? And and he told me, You know what, you gotta leave this company and I was really shocked and taken aback. Really said, You gotta leave this company. Yeah. And I thought, Oh man, do you not want me at this company? Like I thought we had a pretty good relationship. But what he meant was that like, you know, that was nineteen ninety nine or so. I mean that was like the peak of the stock market and the dot com mobile. boom. Yeah. And it was nuts. And, you know, startups everywhere. Pets.com was going public or whatever, and, you know, all this stuff. And so that's how he explained it to me like, if you want to grow, you know, if you want to get yourself in a position where instead of working for your money, you, your money's working for you. And so there was this obviously like financial monetary aspect of it right. as well. Yeah. Especially when you're in Silicon Valley and you see 25 year olds in a Ferrari next to you at the stoplight. Sure. And you see, it was just like crazy how people were making all this money. And so, of course, everyone wanted to go to startup. So, yeah, I ended up landing a startup that I knew because uh, I had it as a customer. And it was a telecommunications startup that was right around the year 99 or 2000. So it was peak peak startup craziness. Things have changed, but then things also have not changed. So, yeah, I went to a startup and uh, that went under in about two years. I joined another one now. by that time, the dot-com boom turned into a dot-com bust. You know, that was after the crazy fall in the stock market in whatever that was, 2000, 2001. Yeah, early 2000. And then a terrible time to try to be working and looking for a job. So I joined another startup that went under and decided to do some business with my father. So we did some small business work and taught me a lot about just small business and entrepreneurialism. But then I ended up Trying to get my MBA, and then I had a friend call me from Apple if I wanted to join. So I get back into the corporate grind at Apple, and it, I actually welcomed it. I think I was ready to go back in a weird sense, and that was a great experience in terms of, but it was very difficult. And um, and then after that, I got an opportunity to get into Tesla in the early days in 2011, and so that was just a crazy time. I learned a lot, lots of stories, and then I uh, did another several startups after that. How many have you been? How many startups have you been in? uh five that's so, a lot yeah but it doesn't it's not that much for people in the silicon valley right? they like go to a different startup every year and a half so right Anyway, so yeah here i am today
0: well a little background on us like i met henry like, here in austin
1: that was uh 2020
0: when, yeah right during the middle of covid yeah i think the first time i met henry was uh on a google meet
1: hmm oh yeah we started we all, at least I started the company remotely. So that was a challenging time in uh, April of 2020. I, w- I just remembered, like, hey, his background
0: looks just like mine. It's a crazy time. So do you have any, any out of those five startups that you worked at? Like anyone that's like particularly interesting or, or comes to mind on a good story, background, like what, what you learned?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, all of them I learned something from and I gained relationships from and was a different experience. But then... All of them had some common overlap as well. Pace of work, the hours you put in, the ownership that you need to take at, at a startup versus being more structured role in a, in a huge company. Well, OK, so that's
0: one thing I wanted to bring up, too, is like roles and responsibilities and actually job description. Mm. So there's a big difference between what you get hired for yeah. and what you actually do. Yeah. What, What um, what is one of those biggest like shockers to you that you're like, hey, I got hired to do this, but then I end up actually
1: having to do X, Y, and Z? That's definitely a common theme with every startup I've been at. Where first of all, a lot of startups they don't even have a job description, or it's because like you know I knew someone there and they're like, hey, we should hire this guy Henry, and then they write a job description for me later. But almost always, no matter what the situation is for the job description, you know, there's they want to leverage your skills and whatever you bring value to the company. But yeah, I definitely end up doing all kinds of strange things in every startup I've been at. I would say the the other things that I would end up doing were usually more menial grunt work. And I think that's a common theme. It's like, you come in, like, oh, you're going to be uh, adding all this value and doing all this uh, really incredible work. And then you find out you're putting labels on a shipping box because something has to be shipped real quick and there's no one else that can do it. Or You volunteer. Right.
0: Yeah. So you worked at Tesla and then you moved on to
1: another company after that. Yeah. This, um, another electric vehicle startup called NEO NIO. Yeah. I like to talk about that. That's, uh, it kind of ran the gamut, a typical startup or not typical startup experience, but it had a lot of elements that were, you know, ups and downs and trials and tribulations. How'd you get to, how'd you get to NEO? Yeah. You know, at the time, I was almost hitting the five-year mark at Tesla, and like a lot of people know, being at an Elon company is very difficult, and um the fact that I lasted five years, almost five years is pretty incredible, and you know, it it kind of, you get burned out, and there's a point where you have to figure, and I was in this situation where, am I going to take on a different role to have a ch- change of scenery at the company, or am I going to um, see if I can somehow scale back the workload, but that's pretty much impossible, or do I leave the company? So, you know, I took a lot of thought into it. and. I decided to leave the company. I I I definitely could have stayed. I'd been there long enough where I kind of know where to pick my spots. I think most people who are at startups may spend an initial time just underwater, treading water. And
0: trying to figure out where they fit.
1: Yeah, where they fit, how they manage their time. You know, especially when you join a company or a startup, you want to try to do everything. But then most people find out they can't accomplish everything that they want to accomplish. And then there's also the part of trying to figure out how to get things done at that company with the resources that you're given so at
0: neo what were things that you were able to get done and accomplish like uh, achievements, milestones that you're kind of like
1: there's a couple one of them is building a team from scratch which was really rewarding i thought was really fun it was started with um
0: was it a specific team or
1: yeah me and one other individual who i worked with at tesla who's the one who brought me into neo or introduced me okay because he left for neo about four months prior to me. And uh, him and I worked really well when we were at Tesla. And so we thought, hey, let's join forces at this other company. And now we're going from individual contributors to now we are upper management. And so at this startup. The middle management. Yeah, or middle management. Yeah, yeah. And even though Neo was based in Shanghai, it had probably yeah. at least, gosh, maybe 1500 people there. It had only started about, I think, a year and a half prior to I when I joined. Maybe even less. Um, How many people do they have here in the States? It was around, gosh, I'm trying to remember. It might have been in the 20s. So I was probably employee number 29 to 39, somewhere around there. And so it was very much like a startup within a startup. And they had already started a design house in Munich, Germany, because there were a lot of ex-BMW people who joined the company. Interesting. So we had really these three elements, um, Shanghai for scale and manufacturing and engineering, Silicon Valley for engineering prowess, and then Munich for automotive design. So we were trying to distribute the teams according to their local talents.
0: That's, that's interesting to me because it's like you got not only what, three different time zones, yeah. but you have three different cultures, mm. three different like work ethics, three yeah. different uh, of all trying to mesh together in one company.
1: Yeah, you formed a lot of friction and tension at times. Um, it's difficult to communication too. and communication. It's really difficult to, to make that all work. But yeah, there's one of the things I was very proud of is like being whatever employee number 30 something at this company and, and being, being able to build a team with someone who I work really well with. And so, you know, it starts off with the two of us and we eventually I think built a team to like around s- almost 70 people. And I was involved in hiring every single one of those people. It was a lot of work, especially at the beginning. All I did was recruiting and interview people. And because we had work to be done, we knew that we wanted to build a car, a new electric vehicle. However, we didn't have the team to do it. And so. We had to strategically pick the first hires, and uh, each phase, which hires are we going to hire? How how did you narrow that down? How did you know which phase you're going into, and, and like find the people that fit that role? Yeah, I mainly followed kind of the product development phases. So, okay. for example, I'm not going to hire a manufacturing person right. as the first hire because we have nothing to manufacture. So, the first phases of hiring were all in design and engineering, and then after that, more about testing, and after that, more about system integration and then you know there's all kinds of hardware and software people involved and then in the middle of that some program management and then um and then some more manufacturing support type of people and right. quality people. So that we kinda of had to always fly the airplane and build it at the same time. Okay. Which is a common mantra so, and start no, life. In startup life.
0: Common startup theme. Yeah. So any of those any of those people that you you hired um, still in contact with them today or
1: yeah or? yeah I, I would say Pretty much every single startup I've been at, stemming back 20 years ago, I'm friends with a number of them. And I think that's what's special. Because, you know, in a startup, I always describe it as like, you're in this <clears throat> boat. It's probably like a wooden boat with a bunch of holes in it. And I feel like you're with these people on a, on a mission, and you're trying to survive. And everyone's just trying to plug all these holes at different spots, different places. And every time you plug a hole, a new one appears. And so you're trying to keep the boat from sinking. And then, you know, the boat grows, of course metaphorically but i don't know to
0: me i've always used that analogy yeah with being at a startup and you talked about earlier that it was burnt out at tesla mm-hmm. or like kind to move on what how did you de-stress and how did you move on like how did you get through those
1: i think it i mean everyone has their own method i think you have to have a life outside of that work you know a lot of people tie their identity to their work and that's okay that's not me i think i've always been consumed in my work and made it a priority i take i've always taken pride into it I always want to do my best but at the end of the day, you know, it's not my, my number one priority is my own health and well-being and, and my family. But um, so I think with the stresses of a startup, I think everyone should find something that brings them happiness outside of work. You know, for me, I love to golf. And so like, that's kind of my happy place. And I think that's a great way to de-stress for me. Find a hobby, find something to yeah. to do.
0: So, some other priority for yourself that's not just.
1: Yeah, that brings you happiness. Yeah. and. Puts you in, and puts you in a space where you're present during that hobby, where you're not constantly thinking about work. Uh, of course, getting away is great too, like taking holidays and stuff like that. But that's always difficult when you're when you're at a startup and you feel like I can't go on holiday because I got to work and we have deadlines. And yeah. it looks bad if I go take off to Mexico for two weeks when everyone else is working. So it's this like weird circular that is, function.
0: That is a weird that is a weird dynamic because I actually felt that a lot in the startup world. It's like I felt it both ways. Like you see someone go take vacation, like, oh man, they're having to vacation. I'm saying, no, we have all this work to do. Yeah. And then all, all of a sudden it's like, how do I get to take vacation? And yeah. like the guilt of taking vacation while you're taking vacation. Like, yeah.
1: I felt that. I don't know if that's. Yeah. And most people, when they're on vacation, they're, they still have work in their mind, especially yeah. those last couple of days where, you know, you're going to come back to a thousand emails and <laughs> your meetings and, and everything. Yeah. Slack messages. It's and that's a big thing about startups is that like your incentive structure is very different usually than a structured big company. You know, it's like the opposite of clocking in and clocking out. Your incentive structure revolves around probably some type of mission statement and some type of um, unified goal: shipping a product, or building a company, or something as cheesy as uh, making the world a better place, and and all that stuff. And there's also the incentive of you know, let's be real and honest. Uh, part of a reason for joining a startup is that it could be a big financial windfall for you in the future. Yeah. And I think that um, you know, for some people that is the number one reason. But even if it's even if it's like your number ten reason, it's it's a reason. Like it's still there. Yeah, it's yeah. still there. I would challenge anyone to say it's not on their mind at all when they're at a startup because if you're at a startup and you're thinking like, Well, I'm trading in a lot of my time and, and sacrifice for equity in the company, sure would be nice if that equity turns into a financial windfall for for me and my family and open up some other options. Yeah, that
0: is like a big risk too, because you put all your time and effort into to for that equity for that windfall. Yeah. But then like double edged sword, if you don't put all your time and effort into it, you might not get a windfall
1: from the company might not. Yeah. At least at the early, early stages. Yeah, and I have always viewed it as more of like a bonus thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I can honestly say that every startup I've joined, I really joined because it felt like it would advance my career and it would grow my career that was always the number one reason. And plus, you know, the chance to work on some great products for new. Yeah, I've been very grateful. I've been very lucky. I have, I've been in the great fortune to have worked on yeah, some of the most incredible advanced products in the world. And so that was a, always a big motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always viewed the the financial part as uh kind of like gravy or, or the cherry on top, cherry just on top. Yeah. a bonus. And I never focused on that was a requirement, more like if it happens, that would be awesome. If it doesn't, I, I walk away with um, probably a lot more growth and trajectory, uh, an upward trajectory in my career.
0: I had a, uh, when I was interviewing first, where right, it was either this is going to be a helicopter that flies over your house, drops little bags of money all the time. Yeah. Or you're going to have some great bullet points on your resume. Yeah. To, to, so it's like win win either way. Like Yeah. Um, so that, Helps with career development and everything. With uh, working at Neo, just kind of change the subject a little bit. Uh, did the company celebrate success? Like, did y'all celebrate like wins and and achievements, of those milestones? And like,
1: yeah, it was good. We had a um, you know, we obviously had a CEO of the company, but we had quote like a CEO of the US, I guess. Okay. Subsidiary, and she really focused on culture and trying to instill that. And, you know, one thing that I took away from that, which I really liked, is that we would have these little happy hours it was usually at the company typical stuff startup stuff you know you bring in a keg and some chips or whatever um and we had them quite a, quite a bit at first we had them like every week uh when we were like 45 people and, and relatively cheap to do yeah it's people. pretty cheap yeah and then when we grew more and more then it turned into like every two weeks then every month and then every quarter when we were like 500 people in that office and we had to expand but regardless you know it was typically i think on a friday afternoon but she made it a big point that like go mingle with people who are not in your department and because it's easy for you to kind of mingle in your own clique because you're comfortable with your your team members and when you do meet someone in another department try not to introduce yourself with your job title introduce yourself as hey i'm john i play sand volleyball and i'm in a volleyball league and you might find someone else who's also interested in volleyball and everyone actually bought in everyone made a point to never describe their job title or anything and the the goal was to get to know people as people because at the end of the day we're well we are not and we should not be defined as our job titles. Uh we should be defined by our people and you know, you could be a great proud father of three or whatever. And I still take that to this day is that like people are people and not not job titles. That that is interesting because like
0: being in a startup, it's like the new thing and everyone wants to know about it. Oh, I am so and so at this startup. Yeah. And your identity gets wrapped up with the identity of the company. It yeah. can. It's really it's really kind of uh fun to go somewhere and they you start introducing yourself and then mm-hmm. you say, I work at this company and they're like, Oh, that's the hot new thing. Tell me all about it. Yeah. And then you get, you get like, Oh, I get a little ego. Yeah. ego, ego bump on that. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying your identity can now get captured in that. And like, so, so yeah, I've experienced that. That's a, it's a very, uh, not dangerous, but a very touchy thing to like, cause you get lost
1: yeah you get lost uh, a startup is really comprised of a bunch of people trying to do something and so at, at Neo and at some other startups i um yeah, i was I was at Neo long enough where we launched our first vehicle, our first product oh cool, which is super rewarding like anytime you're at a startup where you get to be part of like your first product launch, it's pretty amazing because you you go from zero to one to a hundred and um because you know that you helped you are part of building the team, whether you're an individual contributor or whether you're in management you know you both have very important roles in contributing and knowing that especially in this case this is a car that's sold to the public so it's kind of neat to like go to a launch event or see the car on a public road and even if you only designed the light switch on the driver's side door or whatever well you had a big part in you had a part in making that happen everyone touched that light switch at night yeah so, I mean it's uh really cool that's definitely one of the big motivations for me is the reward of completing a, a product and deploying it in some way and it getting used by people, whether they're like test customers or hopefully someday selling it at at volume, you know, to me that's one of the biggest biggest rewards of uh, of being at a startup.
0: So, anyone at, at Neo annoy you or aggravate you? And, uh...
1: Yeah, you know, it was it was a lot of it was a lot of stuff there. I think about like I think I helped build a great team, and I'm really proud of the team I helped build. We had some great people, and um, it really felt like a family. It was really great. Everyone was friendly. I think everyone had a lot of great character and everyone was really enthusiastic about working there. We had lots of great dinners and lunches, and I traveled a bit. So, you know, when you travel with coworkers, you get to know them a lot. It's fun. And especially, you know, I traveled to foreign countries with my coworkers at NEO. And so, yeah, when you're staying in the same hotel and eating dinner and doing all that stuff, uh, all the lunches, you build a lot of relationships that way. But I think at NEO, one thing I discovered was that things are, are good until they're not. And so we, even though we had lots of great characters and people, and I still have pictures on my computer of all these dinners and happy hours. And sometimes we throw like, you know, a bowling day or, you know, fun activities, (laughs) but there was a lot of drama as well. And that's why I say like, Hey, everything is really great until it's not. And, you know, I helped fire some people and there were some conflicts and, you know, personal Personnel conflicts that I had to diffuse. And I think that's, I experienced a lot of that at Neo enough where like, but it was good. It helped me grow as a manager. Do you anticipate that?
0: Like those, the, those like uh, relationships that were good until they're not? I did not. That's kind of
1: surprising. Yeah, it was surprising to me. And I think, I mean, it could have been because I was also a new manager. Okay. And so, um and I went through management training and stuff. And, but I still enjoyed it. I, I actually enjoyed bringing the people together and connecting the dots and, um, kind of steering the ship. It it took a lot. Like there was at times I felt more like a psychologist or a therapist most of the time, but you know, we had young people, we had older people, we had, yeah, junior people. Yeah. Senior folks. There were some instances where, yeah, like we had to walk someone out the door due to some very bad behavior. And that was not anticipated. Like when we hired that person, like I never would have thought it would have resulted in that. And it's, where you know there were some people that were super nice and then you know there were some external factors that were involved and and that ended their employment there voluntarily or involuntarily and then so when each time this happens I had to help pick up the pieces and keep the team going and keep the morale and that was a big part of being there i think that was you learn a lot about people and society and personalities and when you put a group of people together whether it's on an island or in a company you're going to have um i guess misalignment did, was there a noticeable change between the when you started
0: to, as a, the company grew and developed, uh, like the type of personalities that showed up the company?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, part of that was something I learned at Tesla, where most startups start off like a family and it's really kumbaya and you know everything is loving and and everything. You know, as you add more personalities, you're going to get more personalities, personality conflicts. You're going to get more egos. I've noticed this at every startup I've been. I was a part of their growth period in that the more people there are, the more bureaucratic it becomes, the more political it becomes, the more territorial it becomes. And unfortunately, every startup I've been at that grew, it headed that direction. I don't, I've never heard of a situation where a startup didn't eventually become the big bureaucratic political machine that all the big companies become. That
0: no one wants it to be. Yeah, no one wants it to be. That's why they go to a startup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then,
1: exactly. And usually all these phases are pretty, pretty predictable the egos and the personalities based on time or
0: based on amount of people or
1: it's a function of time and headcount. I would say the more people there are, the more difficult it is to keep personalities working. And then you have, I would say, jealousy and envy when certain people come in and let's say that person has a higher title than you. And then you're thinking, well, that person has less experience than I do. How come they got hired as a senior staff electrical engineer or whatever? And there's usually reasons for that. Maybe the company had to give him or her that title to to bring them into that startup and then people start learning about pay gaps and -and so-and-so had more stock options than me and there's conflicts that way and then territorial grabs power grabs i'll say empire building like empire building within the
0: company like 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 trying to grab their little piece of the
1: yeah and every startup i've been at you know you know i gotta say a lot of it is the upper management you know they come in and i see this all the time there's going to be people who come in and they want to bring all their own people and bring build their own empire and then there are silos that are created so it's challenging trying to put that at bay and trying to navigate that yeah Yeah. trying to navigate that the politics is uh, it's hard yeah
0: just trying to figure out what to say when to say who you can say it to and who you can't say it to yeah
1: who your allies are and yeah um you know unfortunately even at a startup it's all about who you know of course you know if you're in the good graces of someone very high up you you probably have some leeway and Mm -hmm. some things come your way but if you're not um yeah you're not your Long life days. yeah your life may be detrimented at that startup or you might not be there any any longer so what um what made you leave near? like what was the what started that yeah i mean exit? i think at around the 3 year mark i was starting to feel disenfranchised and burned out i didn't like the direction the company was going you know there was always this kind of overbearing headquarter regime at the company in Shanghai. Yeah, in, okay. in, in Shanghai. And so um you know and, and they did what they had to do of course to to manage the company. I wasn't happy about that. So then that changes your workflow and the meaning of your work and then um well I was commuting a lot. I was commuting about an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half each way by car. I, by I was ca- oh, yeah, wow. I was driving myself. And um
0: that eats into your personal yeah, time. Yeah,
1: eats into your personal time a lot. Before yeah. that, I had I'd ridden corporate shuttles like at Tesla and Apple. So at least, you know, in the Bay Area, if you're familiar with, there's all these corporate shuttles everywhere, whether it's Google or Facebook and um, they shuttle boys all over the Bay Area. So at least, yeah, you can have an hour commute each way, but at least you can do it in a luxury bus with leisure seats and Wi-Fi. So it's not like... So you
0: continue working.
1: Yeah, you continue working, but or you can take a nap. But, you know, I think most people who have commuted by car by themselves, there's a big difference between driving a car by yourself or maybe sitting on a train, a metro or a bus. It's, you know, even if it's the same amount of time,
0: traffic a factor down in the bay Area. yeah
1: the focus yeah the traffic and it's most people would rather be able to sit on a metro or a bus yeah and not have to deal with that stuff and that was a big part of it too i was like gosh i've been doing this commute for a while and it really started cutting into like i don't know if i want to do this anymore like it, that was a big part of it a lot of time to ponder yeah what yeah. was going on too yeah i listened to a lot of podcasts i talked on the phone a lot and so yeah and it just so happens that the company was going through some reor not reors but a little bit of restructuring just trying to cut costs they're going to really cut costs in the US and Europe. And so I ended up being a member of uh, a part of the reduction in force anyways. Okay. And so it was kind of a oh. blessing in disguise. So I yeah. got this nice severance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was going to quit anyways. Uh, it worked out actually really well.
0: Yeah. Are, are you in contact with those people still yeah. that you left with? or Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I still, I have dinner with them once in a while when I'm in the Bay Area. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because you know we built a great team and a great bond. And that's the one of the best things about being at a startup is that, like, no matter what happens there, no matter what happens to the company or what happens to your employment there, you all can always maintain these relationships and have lunch and hang out and, you know, talk on the phone. And, and these are relationships that you could probably either have for a long time or, or even for life.
0: Yeah. I mean, just thinking back when I was working for you, I was mm-hmm. in the Glorious Hardware Channel. And that was uh, when I changed apartments and went somewhere else, it was like a big deal to leave just that Slack channel. Yeah. 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 And then when another guy left, he shared all his memes with me mm. that he had been posting in that channel for the past, whatever, three or four years that he That's was funny. there. So, yeah, the, the development of those relationships, I still talk to those people. I yeah, still talk to you.
1: It's still fun. Yeah, and what's fun about it is that, like, you're 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 removed from the stresses of that startup. I mean, yes, you don't have the camaraderie of like going to battle every day and trying to solve those problems and deal with all the issues. But at the same time, you also it's kind of nice, you know, having that experience behind you and you can just talk as as people yeah
0: that's it's interesting i mean we everyone who goes through a hard time like a stressful time the military or or stressful work whatever i'm not saying that it's it's like the military but it's still stressful you create bonds with people that uh that become either lifelong friendships but they're they're really it's really interesting it's just a lot of fun to look back on those times that were stressful and actually reminisce of those things yeah
1: a lot of startup life is very has parallels to real life issues and crises and you know in your personal life you have all kinds of crises that you go through through the years whether it's a relationship or you and your family are moving or um, your car broke down in the middle of nowhere or your pipes broke in your house like and these are things that you may not have experienced before and they're very very stressful it's hard to focus and concentrate but most people get through them all. I think as people, we learn how to get through those tough times in life, and hopefully they make you smarter. And I feel a, a lot of startup life is like that, where, I mean, I can't count the number of times you start up where I wanted to quit, or like, where I was like, you know what, that I'm I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Or I'm getting fired, or, you know, something yeah. like that. And so... There's, worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah. And there's, maybe you could chart it on a graph. It's up and down. And there are times at a startup where you can look back and think, oh my gosh, that whatever, three months in you know, the year 2013 and when we were trying to uh, fix all those test issues, that was the worst time of my life. But we all come out of it. I think that's what's great about a startup is that yeah. it typically tests your, your limits. Brought it back to personal life, didn't
0: mm. did startup life affect your personal relationships
1: outside of work yeah i mean it affected in terms of the time commitment and the how it occupies your your brain because there are plenty of times where i didn't feel like i could go on holiday or go somewhere because i felt like you know what there's too much work to do and i want to and maybe that was a little on me too. Like, I want to show that I'm always pulling my weight. Like I never want to be the person where people in the office think, Oh, he's in the lower tier of whatever. I want to always be in the top tier. Like I always want to be the person, uh, and not just for external optics, but like, that's just, I take pride in that. Like, I don't ever want to be someone who's remotely slacking off or even, uh, yeah, I'd like to operate at a nine or 10 all the time. So that, you know, that's a lot of stress. And also, um, it just, I think sometimes I would talk to people, friends or whatever. Well, friends who had jobs that had a lot of work-life balance, and they okay. were clocking in, clocking out, and never took work home, took maxed out all their vacation time. Right. And sometimes they would ask me, like, "Oh, come on, just take off that Friday. Let's let's golf, or let's go to Vegas. You know, just take Friday off. We'll leave Thursday, come back Sunday or whatever." And there were a lot of times when I'm like, "You know what? I can't do that. I cannot take that day off." Yeah. Um, and I don't think they understood why. They thought. What could be so important that you can't just take one measly day off? Is it the startup culture? Is it the culture at that company
0: or is it the drive to achieve and, and maintain that nine or 10 that did it or
1: is it a combination? Or? I think it's a combination, but a lot of it is a startup culture. There's this kind of like expectation and usually a shaming if you're not like, you know, shaming? <laughs> yeah, if you're not operating at that high level because at a lot of startups, especially at really prestigious startups, one thing I've noticed that a lot of really great startups, 80 to 90% of those people could be rock stars at any other company. Like it's, you know, it's a whole company of very high caliber people. And so by nature, I mean, that's by design. Startups cannot afford to have any deadwood or people who aren't adding as much value as they should, and so I think when you get that group of people together, you're also trying to produce the most work possible in the shortest period of time. And if you want to produce the best results with the least amount of people in the shortest period of time, that means everyone has to be rowing the boat at the same the pace. Time. You don't want to be the weak link, of course. Yeah. And so, or perceived weakly. Or perceived to be the weak yeah, link. That- yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think another, there's two more aspects. At most startups, there's not a lot of redundancy. It's not like you have that's true redundant duplicate positions of every position. And so if you are the whatever, integration engineer for that subsystem, chances are you are the only one and you have all the code and the keys and all the knowledge. And so if you're not there, things don't, things fall apart. And if the company can't can't afford a one or two day slip in the schedule, then yeah, you need to be there because there is no replacement for it. No yeah. one can just like take over you'll be gone for a couple of weeks.
0: Everyone has a bespoke role. Yeah. That's that they're trying to do. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. To me, and my my experience has been like you get so so caught up in that mentality that yeah. when there starts becoming redundant roles, you feel like it's waste. Yeah, like you feel like like oh, I still need to figure out how to do their job, my job, and their job because who knows if they're going to vacation or whatever. And come to a point where like that never happened, that's like no longer the thing, and so you get overworked once you get to a certain page. Yeah,
1: and you know I think one of the unfortunate byproducts of this element of a startup is that you. Most people lose their sense of boundaries, and they they're not able to establish their boundaries. So it's kind of a you know vicious cycle in a way, and of course that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's vulnerability, I, yeah. I guess.
0: It's like you, you go to a startup, and you're like, what within the first twenty twenty five employees, you know everybody. Mm-hmm. You have you know everyone. Yeah. You do a morning stand up, and the yeah. stand up is you and the entire other twenty people there. Yeah. And that's including the CEO of the founders. Yeah. And you allow yourself to be vulnerable with them. They allow you to be vulnerable with, with them as well. And then uh, it changes. And yeah. you don't know when, and it just does.
1: Yeah, and it's a vicious cycle also because the more you volunteer yourself, the more you give yourself, the more the company usually takes. Uh, partially because they know that you're dependable and reliable, which is great, but then you also set yourself up doing a lot of work. Yeah. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Well,
0: it's like, it's like okay, this was the boundary at you know year one. Now, I'm going to expand my boundary a little bit here year two, three, okay, we're in a good role, but then now, come year four, year five, whatever you're year, at, I need to take it all the way back. Yeah. Not realize that I need to be that exposed.
1: And that's a good point. I think being able to establish those boundaries and being able to pick your spots at a, at a startup after year two, three, four, whatever, I think it's a big part of the evolution. Most people most people cannot run at 100% duty cycle at a startup for four, five, six, seven, eight, 10 years. Yeah. It's just... Humanly, not very possible. And if you're um, still, a, that it's still a startup at 10 years, you probably should leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so most people, almost as like a self-preservation thing, they have to start establishing those boundaries or dialing it back a little bit, knowing that, hey, they've earned their stripes and they pay paid their dues. And the good thing is that they have probably become more efficient um, and that something that was very difficult before. But now that you know everyone, you know the path of least resistance and you know how to get stuff done and who to go to life usually becomes a little bit easier
0: well with that is the is because we're bad at setting boundaries we jump from startup to startup Um, or is or is it because of like oh okay i reached the like it's no longer a startup anymore um and it's like i want to go back to that challenge
1: of of. there's usually two reasons one the first reason a lot of times is that uh is the skill set Match. There's a lot of people. There are people who are best when they're employee number one to 150. Like they can do things quickly. They can do things with lack of process. Um, You know, they can navigate twists and turns, and they actually enjoy that. But when it gets bigger and bigger, when when things become maybe a little less creative, and it's more about sustaining and trying to scale, they may be unhappy. And I've seen that a lot, where those people start to leave because they're like, "Well, I came in here for the early stages, and I like that stage, but now it's becoming more." there's more processes, corporate, corporate, all this stuff. And now I don't get to create one of my new designs because we're just trying to make the current design more reliable and build a million of them. I'm bored. I'm out of here. So that's pretty common. Yeah, that's I think that's a big common reason. In contrast, there are people who are not suited for that early stage, and they're more suited for the later stages of growth and scale and working on reliability and quality. And that's their forte. Uh, To answer the question of like people who maybe hop around Part of it is just, it could be like um just the challenge thing about having a new challenge and it's, you may get bored. Well, the horizon's not usually that long either. Yeah.
0: Nowadays. I mean like three, four, maybe five years at a particular company and then you're moving on
1: anyway. Yeah. And you'll probably know yeah whether you want to stay or actually another big reason is that someone may feel like they're not growing at that company and they're stagnant. And let's say they have goals of attaining different skills or, you know, becoming a manager or a senior manager or whatever so they feel like well it's not in the cards for me at this current startup And i'm gonna have to make a move somewhere else okay
0: junior level i see to uh yeah. middle manager to maybe direct here yeah you need to you probably can't say the same yeah that makes sense the also the other thing it, it actually thought about the conversation we had at one of our first fridays is like there's a point in the stage of a startup is like where everyone's a generalist. Yeah. Everyone can do everything. Yeah. And then that's what we need at this point is, 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 is a generalist. And uh-huh. then there'll be a transition to these specialized specific roles uh-huh. that we have more of those type of specific people, but these generalist people don't fit in that. Vice yeah. versa, uh, the specialist than not the generalist mold. Yeah. So depending on the stage of life of the company, it's kind of, oh. um, you can find it kind of fit that. For me personally. I. Realize that I'm a generalist that can do a lot of things really well, but not great.
1: Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Yeah. Like, you want to be in the right spot to be successful. Yeah. And that's a good point where, like, when a company gets bigger and they need more of these specialists and they need those specialists to stay in their lane, there's people who don't want to do that. So, yeah. they, They find it difficult. You know, another thought, some other thoughts I had was how, like, a lot of times there becomes a division between the founders. And the rest of the company, because usually you want to, especially at the beginning, people want to do well at that startup. They want to, they're motivated. But I sometimes see like, I don't know if it's an unfortunate dynamic where like some employees feel, may feel like they're trying to pursue the founder's dreams and not their own dreams. How do founders of a company convey that we're all in this together? You're not trying to fulfill my lifelong work? I think it's challenging both ways, you know, because founders, whether there's one of them or six of them, you know, they realize that their dream cannot be pursued without all these people. Yeah, and these people are very important, especially the first like a hundred people in a startup. I would say are very important. Those a lot of times they set the culture. They hire more people. Uh, some of our managers, so they have a lot of guidance and influence on the company. I think it's challenging. That's one thing I've experienced. Is that how do you feel like whether you're a junior individual contributor mm-hmm. and that you're just as excited as the found as the founders are? How, did Did you ever see or did you experience this as you
0: move from a junior individual contributor? to senior contributor and then to a manager oh. how like that role changed and like what did it was it was it your expectation the same like um one thing that comes to mind is like when i when i started it was an individual contributor right? i had this idea for making this other department and it was like cool i'll make this work and then crap now i'm having to hire and manage people mm. um <laughs> yeah and it's kind of like, I don't necessarily know how to do that yet. But then you learn on the fly. But it's like that transition period.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a difference in uh, mentality. Because when you're an individual contributor, you feel that you are overworked and underpaid Fair. And then when you're a manager, you feel that your employees are not working enough and overpaid. So it's an interesting dynamic. (laughs) Yeah, it's completely switched perspective. Um, And that's one thing I learned also in like, being a small business owner, entrepreneur, you know, those pens and pencils and supplies. Why? Like as an owner, you got to pay for all that stuff. Yeah. But when you're at a company, it's like, oh, yeah, these, you just go into a supply cabinet and you grab whatever you need. <laughs> Do this locker over here. You're not having to pay for every piece of paper or yeah. pad or whatever. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing. It, things are very different when you're on the other side. And hopefully wh- whatever side you're on, you're able to empathize, uh, especially if you've been on both both sides, you know.
0: I, I, I have noticed that like sometimes people look back and say, Oh, they don't do anything anymore because yeah. they're a manager. And right. you're and you're like, What? Yeah, yeah. You don't understand how many meetings I've been in yeah. and how I have uh, uh on your behalf helped you do this. Yeah, yeah. Helped this happen. Yeah. You yeah, whatever it is. It's like a lot of those things and this that's what's strange too, mm. at least from at least in my perspective, is like individual contributor. Called out, praised, and told, you know, "You're you doing a good job." Yeah, by everyone if they see you. Yeah, you go to manager. Now your your peer group is smaller. Yeah, and then there's politics. There's stuff mm-hmm. like that. Your your subordinates don't know what you're doing. Yeah, hopefully you know what they're doing. Yeah, and then it's just kind of like, and if you're not used to not getting that praise, not being that acc- accolades, yeah, it can be tough.
1: Yeah, and especially that's a good point where like going into management, you you know you want to give your employees uh the praise and the acknowledgement but then you usually have to take the blame when things don't go well and i'm a firm believer that i'm okay with that i yeah. actually uh i feel like that's a big part of being a leader and a manager is that taking ownership of the functions of a team if things didn't go right did i put my employees in a position to succeed because if not that's my failure and my responsibility too mm-hmm. uh it do that?
0: it's like you, like that first month yeah going from an individual contributor to a manager. It's just like, it's shocking. Yeah.
1: And there is that similar dynamic of like, whether it's a startup where a startup is similar to a big company Mm -hmm. where there's always going to be a divide between.
0: Very distinct divide.
1: Yeah. Between the different hierarchies of the company. I don't think there's really a good way around that. You know, every company, when you think about societies like that as well, you know, unfortunately there are the haves and the have-nots. And it's been like that since all of civilization. And that's not going to change. Um, so just like at a company, there are, there is a hierarchy, and usually people at the top have different privileges than people at the bottom. That's
0: one big way to like what a startup is defined as, yeah. In the startup culture, at least, flat, yeah, flat hierarchy, flat flat chain of command or whatever, yeah, you know, flat hierarchy no longer is flat. It kind of starts, it starts to go horizontal, then you move vertical. And when you when you're used to this for you know two three years, and then right. whoop, it's a
1: yeah okay. yeah if you're used to as an individual contributor, being in meetings with the CEO and the exec staff, and then later you're now three or four levels down from them, mm-hmm. and you're, you know you don't have that close relationship anymore. It's it affects things a lot. It's very some people take it well and just fine and feel like, hey, you know, I don't want to like exposure there. Like I'd rather stay a couple level degrees away from yeah. the heat. But some people feel like, hey, I don't like that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like having to go through these different layers. It's hard to manage. It is difficult no matter who you are. Um, whether you're at the bottom or the top. Well, that's another thing I wanted to ask.
0: Depending on where you come in at a startup, sometimes you come in as a junior individual contributor at the beginning, yep. and then, but then you come in a little bit later stage, not like first 25, but you come in 25. Yeah, yeah. And then you try to come in and, and manage a team. You know,
1: how's that? So, another kind of salient point is that like I have seen on almost every startup I've been at because they're trying to grab people and there are plenty of inexperienced people who get hired. And then, you know, for various reasons, they get promoted. Everyone's moving fast. Mm-hmm. They're probably not ready. And that happens a lot in startups. I'm trying to pinpoint like why. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, whether it's nepotism or whether it's just how things work. Or, or is it, I don't know how to, I don't have an exit strategy for people. Well, there is another element where a lot of startups can't afford to hire experience management. So they may hire someone who's inexperienced and it's like, oh, well, now we're growing. Now that team of one or two people is now eight people, well, they need a manager because you can't have them all reporting to the same people. So then you promote one of those individual contributors who was a peer and now they're a manager. And then I've seen a lot of conflicts there you know, okay. where all of a sudden your peer becomes your manager. Sometimes you might be fine with it because you're like, yeah, I'd love to work for you. Um, I'm totally cool with that. I think you'd be a great in that position. And then there's the other side where, you know, what? this person shouldn't have been promoted. It should have been me or
0: jealousy or whatever. Your jealousy yeah. or
1: envy or there's a lack of respect. Like, well, I don't respect this person's skills. Like they don't know how to manage. Like they've never been a manager before. And then there's all, and then later there's all kinds of conflicts. Hmm. I see that a lot in startups actually is, um, it's a tough experience. It like directly, um, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Where, um, it's it's a pretty common thing with startups. Mm -hmm. I've noticed where people are unhappy with management that either gets brought in or gets promoted within because there's this, and you know, being a leader or manager is very difficult and it's, um, (laughs) You know, it's not just like trying to check off things from a to-do list. Right. Such as valuations and pay. And mm. like, yeah, it's, it's more. Yeah. And trying to incentivize your people, keep everyone happy, shield, you know, you mentioned like shielding everyone. Yeah. It's a tough job and it's not something that most do really, really well the first time doing it. That it takes years. a fair point. Yeah. It takes yeah. practice. It takes practice just like anything yeah. else. You know, now the other, other element I think I found common in startups is that like trying to get everyone to drink the Kool-Aid and make sure that Kool-Aid still tastes really good relatively good. <laughs> yeah. I that's a hard part. That's a, yeah. I think that's a difficult. It's something that you don't normally get at other companies because like you have to you as in the founders upper management. They have to like keep manufacturing that Kool-Aid and they have to like keep distributing it and pouring it out there because that's a currency that they have because you don't have the currency of like super high pay or stock options like Google or Apple or whatever. You don't have work life balance, but you have this dream that you're trying to sell uh and this opportunity and this Kool-Aid that will kind of keep you fueled and energized, and throughout the life of a startup, there'll be times where that um, that Kool-Aid starts to sour or even tastes really
0: terrible. (laughs) How how did so? Okay, I I recently read this book called *The Ime, and it talks about three different mindsets. You got the entrepreneur, the manager, and then the worker. And so, like each person has one of those three people inside them, depending on which role they're into. How is you as a manager take that entrepreneur's vision, their Kool-Aid, and turn it into something practical because this is a vision right it's 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 very nebulous they don't necessarily give you the directions on how we're going to get there yeah yeah but that's where your job comes in how did how would that how did you affect that change that your people below your workers
1: yeah i mean what i try to do is to instill that we are a team and that the things that we do here affect other people yeah of course we have to do things for ourselves as well like we want our personal career growth we want to do good in our role and jobs we want to get People want to get recognized, but we're also a team, and we have to kind of think think that way. And also, I, a lot of times I convey that you're here for a reason because you were either selected or hired because of your great skills. You could be anywhere else, but we want you, and you're here because you can add a lot of value. And your skills skills are very value, valuable to to us. And you also have I mean, I may not put it this blunt, bluntly, but it's like I've had to tell some of my employees like, you do have two choices: work here or not work here. <laughs> you know, it is a free country, and it's a, it's a at will. Employment state. One of my philosophies in life: not focus or get infuriated with the things that I don't have control of, mm-hmm. and focus more on the things that I do have control of. That's a good thing. And I think, like, I find that sometimes employees will do the opposite. They get very fixated on the things that they don't have control of and mm-hmm. the things that infuriate them. You know, like in a lot of things in life, there's bad situations, bad things that happen, but they're also only as bad as you you react to them. Like you can, uh, that's something you can control too. Is your yeah, reaction. you know, you can. Yeah, when you get a flat tire, yeah, you can scream and get really frustrated and roll up in a ball or take a deep breath and figure out what's the best way to solve this and and that maybe it's a it's a perfectly good thing it's like hey solve this problem and and move on how how
0: did you do the thing the other the opposite direction or like like take like the practicality of like no 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 I, i appreciate your vision i appreciate what's going on but how do we i would recommend we do this or or you know however that goes because of the feedback
1: I'm trying to understand. Are you saying like, even if I'm a manager, well, you're stuck in the, the middle, leader?
0: right? So you have, you, you take that vision and make sure it works down to the the team and they're, you know, produced from it. Yeah. But then how do you take the feedback from the team? It's like the day to day ins and outs. Then how do you get yeah. that back up to the other end to make sure that that feedback loop? I guess when I think about that
1: question, or I'm trying to connect the dots and mm-hmm. it's all about connecting the dots and trying to convey the and communicate up and down and sideways and and up and kind of like get a feel for sometimes the ship works i'm gonna operate that way okay because that's just like we either don't have time and we don't make decisions by consensus here okay because it doesn't typically work especially in a startup yeah and there'll be times where it's like yeah let's let's achieve some consensus this is important i have a feeling that like some of these folks have a good idea but there are times where I think the challenge, is, especially as a leader or manager, is that like a lot of times your employees, whether they report directly to you or or indirectly, they don't, they may not know the whole context and they may mm. hear that we're going to switch from material A to B. And to their eyes, like, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. and You know, it's more expensive, has a longer lead time. Now we have to redo all this work. But if you tell them that, yeah, there's going to be a lot of pushback, but it's better to um, big picture it. Yeah. I try to explain at least yeah. to some extent, well, Here's the reason you don't know this. The customer for material A is gone. They only want material B. We have to make a decision financially and operationally, and that steer us towards this direction. So there's a bigger picture. I think the more people understand that, they can at least synthesize that and be like, okay, I I get it. Or and they also, I think a lot of individual contributors, they want to feel like they're privy to some of this knowledge. Feels like okay, yeah, yeah. I'm getting properly communicated. Yeah, 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 and not just told like what to do. So. Thanks for listening to the
0: first ever Startup Anthology podcast. Join us next time for another episode in which we will talk to more people who have worked at startups and learn about their unique journeys.